C'è la luna mezza mare, mamma mia, mamma redare. Welcome everybody to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And this is an exciting night for me because a couple of times I've been by myself. A couple of times I've been with Pat. But our lovely has been, I can't say relaxing, that would be the wrong message to send. But she's been um, enjoying the show the way she likes to do it. How about that? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Well, welcome back, my darling. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be back. No, we need you. We got so much going on. Like we could actually talk about a little of our success that we haven't Go had right ahead. the opportunity. Uh, I am being portrayed in a movie called The Offer by Paramount Plus. And it was so funny to see my name in a call sheet as a character. <laughs> Yeah, that has to be kind of eerie. It is, and it's 50 years later. And for us three, I, uh, I'm, I'm getting uh, all the information that I want from, I'm not supposed to be getting it, but I think, Pat, as we let them shoot it, let them not change anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> because, well, first of all, they never even asked me about using my name. This has nothing to do with the Godfather. I mean, it's a, a making of it, but right. But the, the more interesting thing I found, they're using what you wrote, Pat, in the book when he's reflecting on getting his transistor radio and just finding out about Sinatra. Okay, so in other words, my check is in the mail, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, well, if it isn't, let's get it up. I sure and, hope so. No, let's get it up and say, wait, I saw this on television last night. Oh. No, I've wow. I already I already conferred. Okay. Don't want to warn them now because they may want to take it down. And then, so I know that the De Niro portrayed you. I don't know if they actually used your name in that one no, movie. What was no, that they, called? No, they didn't. Bus sixty nine. So is this the first time that you will be? portrayed as yourself with your name by another actor yeah <laughs> how does that feel well when they well i knew it was happening and i have a, a spy i can't use his name on the air at <laughs> paramount he's a young kid i know all, all his life in fact he was a roommate to one of my sons at arizona state and um he called me and he said do you know that the news i said no and he said well has anybody called you from legal i said no he said, well, I can't say anything. I said, I don't want you to say anything. You don't worry about it. Let it go, man. I think it's flattering. I didn't want to let him think that I would go that way. I think right. it's flattering, I mean, to help me with all my products and projects. But the good news is, something that I wanted to tell you in person, our project is back up. <laughs> what? Yep. 50 million. The TV show? Yep going to be done in Great Britain and the guy who's doing it was involved all the while and he said to I mean we could say this word until he said this is bullshit your life has nothing to do with transgenders or colored skin I'm putting up the money and he owns a network in Europe so he's going to shoot the whole thing and offer it to anybody who wants to buy it but we're not going by any American guidelines of what we need in casting. Fantastic. 
which is fabulous. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's very exciting. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you how close we are. We should have a deal this week. <laughs> wow. Annie so by the time this airs, this should be... All right. That's what I'm saying. It's in the be, works. Yeah. It's oh, be that's so really fun. exciting. Yeah. And he's, this, he's another gentleman who just came in business with me in seven countries with six spirits that he owns over there and distributing. So have a, we have a distributor in Europe, successful, and Paramount's already green-lighted that. So, I mean, it's like, what's going on? But it's all good. That's great. Very exciting stuff. We'll have to keep everybody updated as oh, yeah, that's why things we're move along. Sharing it with our lovely audience. So, I think it's been, now that you are back, we should definitely do a mailbag. Because you think? Well, there's so many people wanting to know why we're not talking about them, reading their emails, and uh, Pat attempted it. I'll tell you, I'll say he did, did a good job. Did you, Pat? But he didn't have the charm like you in the and the finesse. I've been told that numerous times, so I just gave up. <laughs> so I'm sure it was a good attempt. Yes. Let's go to the the mailbag. All right. Let's get to it. I have a little backlog of emails, so we'll get right into it. First message is from Juanita. Juanita says, hello, Mr. Russo. I just finished the book, and wow, what a life. I also listen to the podcast, and I'm a great fan. I never can listen to just one. I just discovered your podcast, so I listened for hours. I'm on season three so far. I want to know how Robert De Niro feels about you describing him as quote-unquote weird. I think this is hilarious, but I wonder if this has affected your friendship. I hope to meet him one day. Can you help a girl out? Just kidding, but I am in love with him and admire him greatly as an actor and philanthropist. Please pass on my sentiments to him as a favor. Sir, I love all three of you as hosts because you are so interesting and I love your singing. Oh, thank you, good. Well, De Niro has to do, if you want to date him, I don't know what he's doing right now because he's so off on women after this last divorce. And he's very upset. And he knows, and, the, and to answer your question, he knows I think he's weird. <laughs> he shows up in disguises when he wants to meet me. It's crazy. He's aware, he's aware really that everybody knows he's weird and he's a hard interview. You know, if you've ever seen the skits on Saturday Night Live, every time they've gotten on his case about uh, him being uh, interviewed, somebody uh, playing him, the guy who's playing him just sits there and doesn't say anything. And that's, that's De Niro. <laughs> well, the the one show he did recently, which I I can't believe he he, he said he will do it on Colbert, an, another guy I don't like, but Colbert, and he said I'll do it, but I'll do two segments, and I don't want to say anything. And they agreed him to do it. They had two martini, uh, two uh, gin martinis because he only drinks gin, and. Uh, they were just nodding and hmm, uh-huh, and did this for two commercial breaks. And then he got up and the whole audience gave him a standing ovation. So, who knows? <laughs> he was doing a riff on himself, you know I mean? He, he's aware that he's- Oh, of course he knows, but I'm saying, I'm shocked the network let it go. They got a lot of publicity, that's all that counts, so. All right, that's moving funny. on. All right, next is from Steph. Steph says, hi, Gianni. What do you know about Lucky Luciano going to Sicily during World War II? Thanks, Steph from Portsmouth, England. That's a part of American history. He negotiated 
40 uh, our sailors, I mean, not the sailors in general, but for the Navy, and they infiltrated even into New York Harbor with the international longshoremen here, and they found a German submarine off the coast of New York because of him getting, you know, pardoned by the government and became uh, very active in the Second World War. Pat, you've heard that before. Yeah, the, the feds went to him because uh, of who he is, and they said, look, we have a problem here. The uh, Germans are infiltrating New York Harbor, and when you destroy New York Harbor, which was their intention to sabotage it, you're going to put a real crimp in the war effort. So they're aware that the, uh, that the mob ran the docks, and they said, you, you got to help us to get rid of these Germans. So Luciano said, okay, here's the deal. I'll help you. I get out of here. It was something like 40 years on a, on a, on a pandering scam. Yeah. Like pandering. You usually get six months for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 40 years. Anyway, so that was the deal, uh, and it wouldn't take effect until the war ended. And when the war ended, he got deported to Italy, and the closest he ever got, I mean, he would hold uh, conclaves and meetings with his men. He would fly to Cuba yep. and do that. Uh, but yeah, that is, as Gianni said, that's 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 part of American history. That's not a conspiracy theory. Not at all. He helped the war effort tremendously. In fact, I'll go so far as saying, had he have not done it, we may be speaking German now. And not only that, he saved how many lives? Exactly. I yeah. mean, to bomb New York Harbor? Hello. We, we just had an anniversary of bombing yep. Twin Towers, and that was devastating. Next. Good question, my dear. All right. Next is from Steve. Steve says, I recently heard of your podcast, so I'm playing catch up season three right now. The name may not mean anything, but I was curious if you've ever heard of a man with the last name Corrado from upstate New York. It would be my grandfather. He's been long gone now, but I have a great suspicion he played a part in one of the families. Well, if he did, up in how far up is he, then I know where what family, so. You got to be more specific of his geographical location, because the um, well, I don't want to say who they are, but they're they're famous pizza people and buffalo wing people. <laughs> hmm. And they became. But the, ring, the name doesn't ring a bell. Corrado, the Corrado's a uh, Corrado's a Corrado even. It's the first name. Yeah, no, no, Corrado's a last name, but but but. Uh, Corrado is a known name even down on Mulberry Street. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Next is from Randy. Randy says, I was wondering if Gianni could explain in more detail his interactions with the Vatican. I read your book and have listened to every episode, but this is one topic I would like to know more about. Thank you. Um, it was very simple. Nick Nitty and I were doing a good deed for Bishop Masinkis, and Masinkis is was a bishop from Chicago and good friends of the Cardo family and good friends with the outfit. And they came up with this scheme of how the Vatican can help launder money, questionable money, for a piece. And Nick and I were just delivery boys. Basically, the majority of the money came out of uh, Las Vegas. And that's what we did. Then we did some private one for the Shah of Iran that's been publicized and a couple of others. 
But um, that's what it was. Basically, the Vatican Bank, which is the only branch of the Banca de Roma, is in Chicago, coincidentally. <laughs> so it was a very easy thing to do. We had the cooperation of uh, Alitalia Airlines, and they did all the flying for us. And did We were always on Alitalia, sometimes three or four times a month. But that's yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the bank didn't do this altruistically. They, they took 15%. Yes, hello. That's <laughs> a lot to take to loan the money. You yeah. Know, but that's the Catholic Church for you. Yep. So we hope we explained it to you. All right, next is from Heath. Hi, Gianni. How well do you know Jack Nicholson? Do you have any stories that you can tell? Huge fan of the podcast. Keep up the good work. I love Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Jack Nicholson and I were in a tango class together. And the only reason, I, I love to dance Latin to begin with, but the only reason I joined it was his girlfriend at the time. Uh, her father's a great director. And uh, her name, what's it, her name skips me for some reason. Yeah, me too, yeah. She's a famous actress in her own right. Famous actress in her own right. With her father's last name. I want, I want to think of a name. She, I never had a, a, a interacting with her other than dancing every Monday night. And I love Jack Nicholson because uh, I must have said it a hundred times before. I think it's even in the book. My house off of Mulholland is right between Jack Nicholson's and Marlon Brando's at the time. So you can imagine with the, the shenanigans that went on up there. So. That's a fun neighborhood to be a part of. Hello, please. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, Jack Nicholson, a little, a little trivia, ex-girlfriend and mother of his daughter lives right across the hallway here where I'm right now. <laughs> I've met her a few times. That's right, right. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, and that's when he had the monkey bar. He owned his own bar in in Beverly Hills. Well, just outside of Beverly Hills on, on um, Melrose Avenue called the monkey bar. It was the place to be if you can get in. Mm. All right. Next is from George. George says, thank you for all your informative insights. Do you have any recollection of Puccini's restaurant in Beverly Hills? It was in operation in the 50s. I know it well, yeah. We went a couple of times, but then when George Raft and them got involved with um, uh, the, on Little Santa Monica, oh, I forgot the name of that restaurant, I, I really went there. I was always a Mateo's because of uh, uh, Maddie Mateo, which we spoke about before, and Carmine's from a guy from Mulberry Street that opened the place on uh, Little Santa Monica also. But I never went to, you know, the uh, La Dolce Vita was the name that they talked about. And George Raft was involved with that. I was involved with George Raft through friends of mine, even in uh, London, when he was at the Annabelle's and different casinos over there. But um, Pacini's was like, I, I know it well, actually, but it wasn't the place to be. So that's why I didn't go. And George has a couple episode suggestions for us. So let's see what you guys think. Oh, One being Paul Vario. I'd stay away from that. He's, his family's very much active and alive. Easy enough. Next one, Vincent Paler, Palero, Vinny Ocean. 
Don't even know him. All right. Well, then there you go. Sorry, George. <laughs> Sorry, George. Maybe so, next time. <laughs> we don't have to go to the ocean. And, and, and Valero, I mean, let's not even go there. These guys are nice guys. All right. Moving on. Next is from Joe. Joe says, Gianni, considering your vast connections, networks, and world travels, have you ever been recruited by spy agencies for specific tasks? I would wish they did. I wanted to be a spy. <laughs> I got into this world hoping that someone would find my talent. and I would have loved to have been a spy. Wow. I had these visions of being James Bond on and off the screen. <laughs> All right, this is also from Joe. Joe says, Gianni, I just watched a Don Rickles interview by Charlie Rose. Don had a lot to say about his friendship with Sinatra. I don't recall you having much to say about Rickles. How did your friendship with Sinatra overlap with his friendship with Rickles? Oh, it was fabulous. In fact, I think I did say it. Uh, Frank Sinatra was in my club called State Street in Vegas when Don Rickles came in and he sat down with him, and Don made the mistake of saying to Frank, you know, this kid sings good. So when I got off stage, and most people don't know Frank Sinatra's humor, he said, Johnny, Sinatra loves the way you sing. I, said, I mean, uh, Don Rickles. I said, great. He said, get me a phone. We had phones at every booth. So we gave him an outside line. I don't know who he dialed. He's talking to the guy and saying, Don loves his Johnny singing. We're here at State Street. I want him to be his opening act for a year so he gets some, you know, the craft on being stage and how to handle people live. And that was, Jesus, in like the late 70s, I wound up opening for Don Rickles when he started working for Steve Wynn at the Golden Nugget and then traveled with him all year and became very close to him and his wife, Barbara, even his, his daughter and, and his son, Larry Dua was, you know, uh, a, a, a sad situation with father and son, like a lot of fathers and sons. But Rickles and I had the utmost respect for each other, a lot of fun. I was through that whole fiasco. In fact, I met Don Rickles the night Sinatra met him. He was performing in the Deauville Hotel in a lounge. And Sinatra was at the Fontainebleau Hotel doing two shows at the Laurent Room. We'd get out of the hotel about 2, 2.30, and he said, let's go down the street and see that maniac. And that's how it started. And then that's how Don Rickles got away with calling, oh, the skinny guinea's in the room again. And he's the only person to ever call Sinatra to his face, the skinny guinea. But he loved him because he was so nuts. So I, I was through that whole thing, yeah. But I wasn't famous then. I was just a, a money guy. <laughs> all right, next is from Ben. Ben says, hi, guys, this is for all of you. Have you seen the new film about Meyer Lansky? If so, what were your thoughts on the film? No, there was a new film about Meyer Lansky. I was just going to say the same thing. A new film? Is it, well, how would we know? New film? I don't know. Yeah. Does it have a title? Not that... Ben provided. Well, Ben, well, if you're listening, give well, us more info. We'll find out. Well, obviously, we didn't see it. So, I spoke to his son recently, because his son still owns the property. He thinks in in Cuba wants to go there and open a hotel. 
Perhaps one day hmm. he'll get possession of it. Yeah, hello. <laughs> oh, so this film is recent. It's called Lansky. A 2021 film came out on June 25th by Vertical Entertainment. A biological crime drama about the famous gangster Meyer Lansky written and directed by Eaton Rockaway. Okay, that probably went straight to video. Yeah. Is it major? Obviously. Uh, did it go straight to video? Or general release? Um, I mean, I don't know what vertical entertainment is. Yeah. It's, it's opposite horizontal. Yeah. Who plays Meyer Lansky? It, it, he is played by Harvey Keitel. Keitel? 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 Harvey Keitel. That's a, he's a big guy. That's a big guy. That's a big name. He's an endless movie star. Yeah. He's, he's worked with Scorsese a bunch. Oh, yeah. Harvey Keitel. Yeah, he's a major guy. Keitel. Okay. Excuse my pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll have to check it out. Maybe we can do a, a review or something. It wasn't released. It wasn't wide released. I can almost promise that. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll yeah, watch it and report back to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Sure. Okay, moving right All on. All right. Next is from Jamie. Jamie says, I came upon the podcast last week. Yeah, I'm a little late for the show. But I started with the first podcast, and I'm about 30 episodes in. As a person that finds the mob slash mafia interesting, I am really liking the podcast. Thank I have a question God. for the mailbag. I have heard it said that in the Italian sections of New York, back in the mob's heyday, that the neighborhoods were among the safest in the nation robbery, mugging, murder, etc., for the average person that lived there. If that is correct, is it different now with the neighborhoods becoming more gentrified as well as the mob being diminished? Keep up the great work, Gianni, Pat, and Megan. Thank you. Well, I think we all can answer that. And uh, our next guest, we got to listen to the episode after this one coming up with Mancow out of Chicago, because that's another neighborhood that is not policed by mob anymore. And it's just an open field day. I mean, there's so much shootings going on here. You know, I used to lower my radio at night and on my, t my television to find out if it was a car back flying, but no, it's all gunshots now. <laughs> I'm to speak to uh, New York. Uh, the Italian enclaves are shrinking more and more every year. So it isn't like it used to be. You can walk, in fact, areas of East Harlem, particularly uh, where uh, uh, Rails was and uh, Tony Salerno had his candy store. Yeah, on right. uh, Pleasant Avenue, you can leave your car doors open. You, you can leave your apartment doors open. Nobody would would bother with that neighborhood. That's all changed. And the respect of just people on the street, single guys, if they saw your daughter or your wife, they would bow their head and not look at them. That's old respect. Yeah, it, that's all about it. Probably, that's definitely not a thing now. Probably laced with fear. But it was a sign of respect. <laughs> people are bowing their heads because they're loaded with heroin. Yeah. Mm. All right. Next is from Lori. Lori says, I'm currently on season six, episode 106. I read the book first and then started the podcast. So very intriguing and informative. I love all things history and absolutely love everyone's stories. Thank you for adding Megan to this mix. Well, thank you. Whoa. What a learning experience for her from multiple avenues. Very true. I do have a question for Johnny and Patrick. Do you think JFK Jr.'s plane crash was truly an accident? I'm simply curious about this as it seems a bit ironic. Thank you for entertaining us all. All three of you are authentic and real, and I love that the most. Oh, that's wow, great. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. 
And Laura, you don't know how thankful we are that Megan's here. <laughs> no. Just Thanks. two, just two <laughs> old guys hanging out in their apartment. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do tonight? Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, took off for Hyannisport on a very stormy night. He was not qualified to fly at night. He was not qualified to fly without instruments. And he said, I can do it. And there was a time there where he was flying upside down and he didn't know it. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, the thing about it, there was even more than that, because I talked to his cousins, that uh, he and his wife were having problems. And she was very adamant that he waits for her girlfriend. And they were going to a wedding. Well, it was a sister. Yep. And uh, they waited and waited. And they, as Pat said, the ceiling came in. He's not, he's not qualified on instruments. Basically, he's a starter pilot, so he could look out the window like driving a car and see where he is. And he was upside down for like 20, 30, 40 minutes. And he didn't know it. And he and didn't know it. That's you can get. So. Uh, and he, he crashed into the ocean, and that was it. But there was no... I, I'm sure there's some a lone conspiracy wacko out there that... that, that yeah, that, I know. Out here. But he was just uh, way above his head. We should never have done it. Uh, you know, I think sometimes, well, when that was happening... Thing. What the hell is going on in that plane when they realized we don't know where the hell we are or what we're doing? Oh my god, yeah. All of a storm out here and they knew they were going to die. That's awful. Yeah. yeah. What a frightening way to go. So he killed himself, his sister, his, his wife, and his, and his wife's sister. Yeah. Oh. All right. Yeah. Well, moving on. Next is from Ralph. Ralph says, Will you do a show with Joe Pesci? No. <laughs> Why would Joe Pesci want to do a show with us? Why don't go that way first? Joe Pesci's a big star. He don't need us. I know Joe Pesci when he was a waiter for a guy called Joe Denti, who was a Shylock in the Bronx. And when Joe Pesci became a big star, Joe Pesci was ordered to rent Charo's house in the hills so Joe Denti could live in it and come out there and basically destroyed Joe Pesci's relationship in Hollywood with so many studios. Because one thing about California, they do not like out-and-out -out wise guy, mafia, New York types. Don't like them, don't want them there, and nobody's going to change them because they, they report to the outfit in Chicago, and Chicago would politely call and say, listen, uh, you know our agreement. Get that guy out of there. But uh, mm. Joe Denti died a death I would wish on him because I never liked the guy. He died in, on a Sunday afternoon of a massive heart attack in in bed with girls younger than his daughters. Mm. Let me ask you this. Did uh, Joe Denti have a brother named Al? I would think that would be very profound. <laughs> Al Dente. <laughs> you, you, mean, you mean he was very hard, right? <laughs> I love Good it. One. I love it. Al Dente. I like that. <laughs> Moving right along. All right. Next is from Norbert. Pat, I think this one's directed towards you. One could argue that the, mom's, the mob's assassination of JFK led directly to the expansion of the war in Vietnam, in which you fought, via his VP, Lyndon Johnson. 
Can you imagine if that had never occurred? No 58,000 Americans dead makes me think twice. JFK was a big uh, supporter of uh, special ops. Uh, his, his thing was the, the, the Green Berets. In fact, the, uh, their, uh, their, their base in Fort Bragg was the JFK Special Operations Center. He loved them. Uh, it was sort of a, 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 a poor man's James Bond type of fantasy. He sent them in there originally in the uh, early 60s to be advisors and it started to escalate. But all the history that I've read, JFK did not want to get out of uh, uh, Vietnam up until the time he died. Uh, it, the war hadn't even kicked off when he died. I mean, things were still under control when he died. Lyndon uh, Johnson listened to his generals, in particular General Westmoreland, give me more men, give me more men, and it went from 80,000 troops about the time JFK uh, made his end to over 550,000 at, at the height of the war when I was there. And uh, that was all Lyndon Johnson's doing. I had nothing to do with JFK. I mean, he had more time. Uh, Lyndon Johnson wound up having more time with that war than JFK ever had. JFK had about two years, and it was a skirmish. Uh, Lyndon Johnson made it really into the war that it turned out to be. Wow. Hmm. All right. Next is from Susan. Susan says, season seven, episode 132 with Allison Martino was very interesting and informative. Oh, wow. What really struck a chord with me was the inaccuracies being reported in the forthcoming making of the Godfather film. I'm a fan of The Godfather, and what makes it great is not only the storyline, but every actor in the movie and how they landed their roles. To, quote, reinvent the history of the making of the classic movie is deplorable. It's great because of the path traveled to make it. Al Martino and Gianni play their parts so convincingly that they were Johnny and Carlo. Allison has so much to be proud of in her dad. Gianni, you continue to entertain with your stories, truth, and sparkling humor. My best to Gianni, Megan, Pat, and Allison as well. Oh, great, great. Good. I'm glad Allison's getting accolades for her dad. Yeah, quite a few people really like that uh, show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, he had a big following. He was very well liked. That's good. I wonder if the, the this making of the Godfather film or series is the same as the one we spoke of earlier. Do you think it is, or is it different? Um, there's, <laughs> there's two. <laughs> oh, so there are two. Yeah, there's two, and the one I'm referring to called The Offer, and it's in bold print, black and white, like Godfather font. Godfather font, and Albertus Ruddy's producing it, and um, they're all actors, but uh, when you see the cast list, and you'll see Sinatra, you'll see Marlon Brando, and um, I don't think you're going to see Al Martino. I don't know that yet, though. It's so hard to follow who's what, you know, who's on first. There's, there's three different things being made right now. Right. There's that, uh, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is, is playing a lead. I think he's playing Al Ruddy in another movie. So it's, it's, mm. it's uh, well, we knew it was going to happen, and the three of us have spoken about the next 18 months, how much fun this is going to be. Because of the 50th anniversary, yeah. right? Yeah, and everybody's capitalizing on it, including me. Right. So I know. I love that. Yep. Uh, next is from Todd. 
Todd says, hello to you all. I'd like to hear more from Mr. Russo about Sonny Franzese, as well as the reason for some of his reactions to questions about talking to Michael Franzese. He seems to have something of a grudge against Michael. Would like to hear as much as he can share about both iconic characters. Oh, yeah. Sonny and Michael. Sorry. Sonny was the first one. I was going to say you said Tony. Thank you. And... Okay. No, no, no. Sonny, sorry, I Sonny. love. Sonny was his father, stepfather, no less. Sonny Francesi was a man's man. I mean, the guy did what? Uh, yeah, some craziness. No, M Michael was an Ivy League guy. I don't know him. It's a, I mean, if, if it's coming off that I don't like him, I don't even know him not to like him. I never right. met the guy. I heard about him later on. People don't realize a lot of things about me. After The Godfather... I left, I mean, I left New York before The Godfather, actually. I, I was in Italy, you know. I, I was traveling 17, 18, 19 years of age to get the Ken, John F. Kennedy elected. Nothing to do in New York City. I was in Vegas at that time. So a lot of people refer to me, and even though I'm only four or five years old and a Michael, I was never in the neighborhood to meet him. He was in Brooklyn. And he was going to Ivy League school. This kid was a genius. And he found a, a, a gimmick and made a lot of money for the mob. And, and God bless Michael. I, I don't have no grudge. I've been asked to do his show. I won't do it. Why would I want to do his show? Like Sammy DeBull would like to interview me. Great. Why would I want to do that show? <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Moving on. Next is from Caroline. Caroline says, what, if any, was your relationship like with Hank Sanicola, Frank Sinatra's former friend and manager? Do you have any insight on their falling out and his relationship with Marilyn Monroe and Sam Giancana? Nope, 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 and nope. <laughs> <laughs> Very concise. <laughs> Too close to All right. every area. All right. Next is from Brian. Brian says, first off, your book was amazing. Your history was amazing, and I'm going to be jealous of your 16-year-old self with Marilyn Monroe till the end of my life. My question for you, which I'm really curious about, is Dorothy Kilgallen, and what happened to her, and why, and what did she know? Well, I knew Dorothy Kilgallen just because of being a socialite and a journalist in New York. I did not know her. I knew her boyfriend, who frequent the Copacabana at night. When I say I know him, I saw him there, hello, goodbye. You know my relationships with everybody there. And What's that about Johnny Ray? What's that? Talking about Johnny Ray? Yeah. Well, Johnny Ray was one thing. Yeah. No, she was going out with a mob guy. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, she I mean, she was hot to trot. God, that's what we used to say in the neighborhood, you know? You know, she's hot to trot. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, I never I never liked her at all. I mean, to me, she was ugly broad. If she's listening from heaven, that's, don't hold back. That's my yeah, opinion. Right. That's what you really think. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't hold back. Okay. Next is from Greg. Greg says, Gianni, are there any known photos of you and Frank Costello, even if they aren't on the internet somewhere? Nope. Never took a picture. Hmm. No. He didn't believe in taking pictures. He didn't believe in people using their names. He didn't believe in you having a, a city address that people would know. I still have his phone number here, and and when and, and when it's funny because when it rings on the on the registry 
that they have on the phones and that light up. This is Frank Costello. Sometimes it gets scary at night. <laughs> Reaching out to you. <laughs> I funny. picked it up once or twice just to see who's there. <laughs> My gosh. No. All right. Also from Greg, another question regarding photos. What is your most prized photo and why? I'm looking at it right now up here on this wall is a picture that I took at Grand Central Station with Marlon Monroe because we used to go down to the Brooklyn Bridge on the train from Grand Central Station. She was living above it in the Waldorf Astoria and she used to wear scarves and hats and she pulled off the hat, a beanie, and I took the picture. And in one corner is a picture of her and Sinatra. And the other corner is a picture of her and I, the last picture at Cal Neva. And in the lower right-hand side is a picture of a pillowcase she kissed with a red lipstick and signed it in 1961 to me. And it's my treasured yeah. photograph and memories of her. Very nice. Yes. All right. Next is from Seth. Would Tommy Gambino ever do an interview with you? Maybe a special recorded sit down? Tommy Gambino is probably one of the most professional mafia guys in the world. He lives two blocks from me. Out of respect, I've seen him. He came to, came to our book signing for a minute just to pay his respects. He also came to um, Chelsea Pier when I got the award because we both have the mutual friend. And in fact, one of the mutual friends is his in-laws of the Lucchese family that were there also, just to pay respect, because that's the year I raised $700,000 to feed the homeless in New York City. But to answer your question, Tommy is out of the limelight, never was, never wanted to be, and basically the name and just kept dragging him in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next is from Lenny. Lenny says, Mr. Russo, what is your favorite business venture you've ever been a part of? My favorite? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have two favorites right now. I, I love doing the Corleone, being the spokesperson for Corleone Fine Italian. And I'm loving modeling and launching off my La Cosa Mia by Gianni Fashions. But there were so many other little, earlier on probably nightclubs opening, you know, Tiffany's with Elvis and State Street with Sinatra. That they were pretty high. And they were good businesses. I, that's a hard thing. I've opened so many businesses and still doing them. Can't believe it. Right. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, Gianni, that actress's name you were thinking of that was going out with Jack Nicholson, Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston, that's right. Her, her uh, father was the uh, famous director. John Houston, I love it. I know her stepbrother, too. Angelica Houston, she was great. Great dancer, too. Yeah, she's still out there. Oh, yeah, she's still out there. I don't know what she, if she's well enough. I don't know how old she is. Jack looks crazy, though. If anybody's seen <laughs> Jack recently, he's gained like 30 or 40 pounds. I don't know what kind of... What he's smoking now, but he's really out there now. I love him. <laughs> well, he's not That's acting. What? He's not acting anymore. Oh no, he retired. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Moving on. All right. Next is from Maria. This one's for me. 
Maria says, Megan, I loved listening to you gush about Mershka Hargitay in your mentors episode. Oh, Everything great. you articulated about why you love her are the exact reasons I do. Has anyone ever been able to get that to her to listen to? Love you all. Man, I wish, but I don't think so. Why don't you get it, put it on the phone and send it to that guy that's still with her, the AD? I did. I sent it to him, but I don't think it ever got forwarded on. But Well, you you sent it to him, if I remember right, just as she took on this other whole thing with the other series she's producing now with her old partner, Stanley, Stabler. Stabler. Yes, yeah, she. They're working on. I think they're currently filming the next the next season of SVU and Organized Crime. I know they are. They're right around the corner. The other day. Oh, you gotta let me know these things. Well, I mean, I'm not there, but. But not only that, but I, I've been trying to talk to you for two months. You've been hiding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was working. Okay. Oh no! Now I know how to get you. Uh, I got someone who wants to talk Marishka, to you. Marishka's on the corner. <laughs> I would literally run to New York City. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yes, I did I did take a little bit of time off. I had a lot going on. Oh, no, yeah, I'm that's great. We forget but, how young you are and you have to live. <laughs> well, I hope that it, I mean, I would love for it to get, I would love to hang out with her someday. I don't you should, be, you should be able that. to get it to her. You should be able to get it to know. her. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Fingers crossed. All right, next is from James. James says, Gianni, Patrick, and Megan, what is each of your favorite sections of New York City? I don't know where he was going when you said sections. I was like, whoa, what, wait a minute. Like famous sections. I know, I didn't, I didn't know where that You went. heard the first syllable and yeah, didn't know well, what, where it was going? Well, for me, it's where I grew up, uh, a little Italy. But I have an affection for Greenwich Village. Not so much the way it is now, but the way it was even up to 10 years ago. It was a real New York neighborhood. Oh my God, yeah. I was really going to hell, a lot of crime, a lot of street crime, but those two areas. How about you? Megan Me or, or Gianni? Either one. Ladies um, first. I'll go first. Um, I live in Greenwich Village, so I'm very, I've only lived there for about a year now. I was in the Bronx for a few years before. So I love that area as well, but I'm also very close to the West Village, which is my absolute favorite. I could wander around there for hours and feel like I'm in a European city or something. It's just absolutely beautiful. And small, uh, out of the way, uh, mom and pop restaurants, they still have them. Mm -hmm. uh, I live on Fifth Avenue, so between oh, you know right there between and, the and the Hudson River is yeah. just magnificent yeah. to me. I adore that section so much. Well, mine is very easy. It's the block I live on. <laughs> <laughs> I love my neighborhood. I love my neighborhood. Yeah, you have a good one too. Yeah, I, I just, it's so, you know, I, I know everybody. You never, you forget you're in Manhattan. Hi, Mr. Russo. Right. Hi, Mr. Hi, Johnny. It's just fun. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'm planning on a, a major move. I just sold my house in Mexico and a couple other places. But, um, this building, I'm gonna. My goal is to own it by next year. And uh, nice, yeah, and create a great roof garden, bocce court, and everything. Oh, upstairs. that would be amazing. Yeah. And I'm moving up to the sixth floor, so I have a spiral staircase going to my roof. <laughs> I love the way that sounds. Yeah, I'm, I'm, good I'm, stuff. I'm very serious because I even hired an architect ready. <laughs> All right, here we go. Just waiting for de Blasio to say goodbye. 
All right, guys, that's all I have for tonight. Well, that was great, though. Yeah. It was great doing great it. Great questions. Yeah, we miss all of you out there who are still listening. These cards and letters and your opinions and emails, however you're getting to us, Megan in particular, we totally appreciate it. We are getting great reviews, thanks to you also. We'll have some surprises for you also. Of how We're expanding, the three of us. So stay tuned, and uh, God bless you. And wear a mask if you want. Love you. Very diplomatic. All right. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night, guys. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Or when it seems your friends desert you. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. Also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. Also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. To know what you like about what we're doing, you'd like to hear in the future, anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. Back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.